Welcome to What's Working in Washington. I'm Jonathan Aberman. Today, there are more jobs in D.C. than we can fill. D.C. has one of the highest, right? They have the most jobs available, the least amount of talent to fill the number of jobs, right? So that's the ratio. Jennifer Ives, talent development expert, is joining us now to discuss the global war for talent and how CEOs and smart business leaders are fighting to locate and retain the best people to grow their businesses here in D.C. Jennifer, I hear this phrase and just use the global war for talent. Is there really a global war for talent right now? Oh, Jonathan. Well, first of all, thank you for having me today. And there is a true global war for talent. So some of the findings, so I work for Top Employers Institute. We're a global organization that actually helps CEOs and other C-suite executives make more informed decisions about how to better develop their people. And that really came out of here in the U.S. about five years ago, companies realizing that the tenure of their employee was two to three years, when in the past they had counted on 10, 15, 20, sometimes an entire lifetime of one person with that company. And that's it's such a different um, it's such a different atmosphere today. And when you lose an employee, the business case for that is it costs about 150 percent of that employee's salary to find so, so to acquire the talent, bring them in, engage them, train them, and bring them up to speed. That can also take a year to two. And then if they're turning around in two to three years, and that's a global number, right? In the D.C. area, recent research has shown that the tenure is 11 months. 11 months. 11 months for a millennial. Now, remember, millennials are 37 and under. So these aren't these aren't brand new to the workforce folks any longer. These are now your directors, your managers, sometimes the, the founders and co-founders of companies. Sometimes they're the ones who are fully running companies and have to look at financials around people who are coming and going on average, as I mentioned, in D.C., 11 months for a millennial. That's interesting because uh, what I find when I talk with uh, younger entrepreneurs, millennials, people in the workforce, the reason why they tend to move around more avidly is not contrary to popular belief that they're lazier slackers. They're not getting fired uh, because they're not productive. I think that younger people have realized that you have to take control of your career, that you can't rely upon your employer to shape your career development. Mm -hmm. Is that what you're seeing? Absolutely. Yeah. And actually, you're, you're, what you're seeing and what the research shows is that the number one reason that millennials in particular leave a job is because of lack of leadership development. Millennials were raised to be coached, to be nurtured. And if companies aren't coaching and nurturing their talent, they're going to lose them. And many times the leadership development doesn't mean that they are looking for an upward, right? So their next step doesn't necessarily have to be an increase in title. Sometimes it can be a lateral shift. But the companies that have the best retention rate and really engage their employees are those companies who are, who are engaging, nurturing, coaching on it almost a daily basis, the talent that they have on their team. It's interesting. We started the conversation talking about millennials. I think that you could make the same arguments. And indeed, when we talk about areas like cybersecurity here in, in the Commonwealth of uh, Virginia or right. D.C. region, where generally there are tens of thousands of jobs that literally are unfilled right now. There's more job opportunities available to cybersecurity and there are other industries as well. So the war for talent is not just about retaining the younger worker. The war for talent extends now to attracting and retaining highly uh, skilled and highly in-demand workers. And how are companies dealing with that challenge? 
it, it does run across, right, baby boomers, Gen Xers, millennials, and now Gen Zs who are 21, and they're coming into the workforce, and they're expecting the use of technology, the coaching, the, the engaging that I just mentioned around millennials, they're expecting it even more. But when you're talking about, you know, all of those generations in the workforce at once, it is an interesting challenge for CEOs and others in the C-suite. The war for talent is real. DC in particular, LinkedIn just uh, shared a study. They share a monthly study on, on workforce engagement and they break it down by city. DC has one of the highest, right? They have um, the most jobs available, the least amount of talent to fill the number of jobs, right? So that's the ratio. And what are companies doing about it? It goes even for the Gen Xers and the baby boomers who, who as you mentioned, are specific to the talent that you just said. It's that same engagement. It's the same nurturing. It's the same, can we, can, are you buying into our mission and our vision? Are you part of the solution to what we're trying to solve, right? So maybe for cybersecurity, are they, you know, really engaged in the mission of the company? The mission of the company drives a great deal of that longer-term tenure, that longer-term engagement with companies. Executives should not overlook, no matter what age group they're, you know, their company is filled with, they should not overlook the mission of the company and how the employee feels about that mission as piece of the engagement. So my career, uh, I'm in the crossover generation towards the tail end of the baby boom. And, you know, when I joined the workforce, very much the workforce was very influenced by the aftermath of World War II and, and the fact that most business leaders served in the military, World War II, Korea, mm. or even Vietnam, very much command and control, top-down, hardline management. And when I first started to manage people within those type of structures, very much you incentivize people by paying them well. You expect them to work like crazy and be happy about it because mm -hmm. one day they could be in charge. And during my career, I've seen that change. And for me as a CEO, the big insight was to realize that you had to give people a reason to get out of bed in the morning. And you had to give people a reason to think that they were winning by pursuing certain activities. And it sounds to me like that's what you're talking about. There are undoubtedly your skeptics, people who are listening right now who are thinking, that's a load of hoo-woo. You know, people just love to complain. You know, just give people lots of money and they'll work hard. When you talk about mentoring, nurturing, coaching, and so forth, what exactly are you getting at from the standpoint of tangible things that every effective business leader must do to win this war of talent? Yeah. Oh, I'm so glad you asked that. So, listen, by 2020, 50% of the workforce are going to be made up of millennials, and by 20. 25, 75% of the workforce will be made up of millennials. And again, I'm, I, I keep going back to millennials because that's what's really driving culture in companies today. And if a company has been driven by a leader who is ignoring this or just even tolerating it, they will not succeed. They will not be able to drive revenue. They will not be able to keep their talent. But the companies that are leaning into and the companies that are really embracing, and this actually comes from Gabrielle Jackson-Boshe, who wrote The Five Millennial Myths, and she does a lot of research around the country. She's based here in D.C. And again, those companies that embrace this new way of working, right, the coaching, the nurturing, and don't look at, look at it as these are a bunch of babies who just need, um, you know, a continual reinforcement of doing a good job because they're not. And I come back to to those companies who embrace the companies who embrace statistically show in, you know, uh, top employers research, Harvard Business Review research, CEB research. Those companies outperform companies who are not doing so. If you align innovative people strategies, right, people and talent strategies, we used to call them HR strategies, but it's really around people and talent. If you align your those strategies with your business strategy, 
you will succeed. There's also lots of reason to believe and understand that you can't fake sincerity. The millennials, um, more than any other generation, now the Gen Zs, understand the difference between a social media avatar and when they're being BSed, <laughs> right? Hey, look, this is the Yelp generation, right? Well, it, they, believe me, they are talking about your company more than you know. And if they are talking about your company, make sure that they understand the mission, that they feel part of the mission because they are your best um, they are they are the speaker box of your company and make sure that they're saying positive things and in a, in a transparent, honest way, like you said, that they understand because they can. Look, anyone today can go on Glassdoor. They can go to Best Place to Work. They can look up at top employers who certified. They can. There are many resources for talent to take a look at a company well before mm -hmm. They even start engaging. Actually, Brazen Technologies. Brazen is a company here in Great this area. In oh, my gosh. Ed Barrientos and, and Ryan, they're doing an amazing job. And they shared some data with me the other day that when you have a, a career page, right, on your website, of the 100% of people who come to your career page, only 10% engage with you. You lose 90%. Mm -hmm. So the new way of looking at how do you engage to then attract, to then acquire that talent is if you can bring – the 10%, right, to, to engage with you immediately. But what do you do with the other 90%? You start to, these are my words, right? You start to date them. You start to let them know who you are. You want them to continue to come back. You want them to understand who your company is. You want them to feel like they are part of the inside of the company before they even join. That's how you get great talent. Brazen does it. Wedding Wire is another great example of, of an organization that attracts and engages talent. I mean, there are there are a number of, of wonderful examples here in the D.C. area. Okay, so last question before I let oh, yeah. you go. Put okay. on your community leader hat. Yes. You mentioned that LinkedIn has ranked us as number one place. There are too many great jobs, not enough people. Yeah. What does this region need to do to get people to move across country or from around the world and locate here to take those great jobs? Oh wow! Well, so this comes to this comes to where do people like to live and work, right? It comes to amenities. It comes to different types of housing. It comes to uh, is it a healthy city? Um, the generations today want to be out. They don't want to be um, buying cars. They want to be you know riding their bikes and walking to work and taking metro. And one of the challenges in this area, we have those things. We are a very very expensive area to to live. Well. I guess we can take up a collection. <laughs> <laughs> Jennifer Ives, talent development expert. It's great to have your expertise. Thank you. And thanks for providing all of us with ways to improve our business and find great people. Oh, thank you for having me. Washington, D.C. is a place where people come together to get things done. That's what makes an interesting business community. And that's why policymakers more and more realize that entrepreneurship is a way to understand how to drive the nation forward. That's what we're doing and what's working in Washington. See you next time. I'm Jonathan Aberman.